Well, so I'm on the back end of a, some sort of cold, so I'm a little bit sniffly, a little bit coffee. So I've, I've got my hanky, I've got my lozenger, I've got my water. So hopefully I can get through this. So bear with me if I, you know, whatever. Anyway, good morning. Right, there's one or two faces that I, I'm not that familiar with, so let me just say I'm Paula. And I've been in Newbury just over five years, uh, part of Glendale. Love this place. My heart is here. Um, and I know that, that, well, God is here. That's why I like being here. So, um, so hi, I'm Paula. And Happy New Year to everyone. And I hope everyone's doing well. And I hope you haven't had what I've had over Christmas. And if you have, I hope you're better now. So, anyways... Our passage this morning um, is Hebrews... Chapter 10, verse 11 through to 25. But just before I read that, um, before that, before um, chapter, uh, verse 11, the Hebrew writer is explaining that there's a massive problem with the issue of sin. So sin is a big problem, right? Basically, sin has separated the human race from God and, and it was just like a real mess. Um, and God wasn't able to really communicate properly with the people, and people weren't communicating with him properly. He wasn't able to pour out his love on them. Um, one or two really had faith, and, and so there were, there were a group of people, and there were a nation who chose to trust God a little bit more, the nation of Israel. Um, and so basically what they ended up doing for quite a long time um, was using sacrifices to open up a way to get to God, right? Because the only thing that will sort out the sin issue is something dying, okay? Because death is the penalty for sin, right? So, so they instituted this idea that you take a, a goat or a cow or something and, and the goat and you, you kill the goat and the goat's death and the blood of the goat would cleanse you from your sin and it worked okay but the problem is it only worked until you sinned again right so so you the, the guys were they'd kill the, the goat and the, and, they'd, and then they'd have access to God and they they could communicate with God and they could receive God's love and and so on and so forth but the next time they sinned that barrier began to build back up again so God actually then created a way to deal with the issue once and for all. And that's where the, this passage comes into. Right, so I'm going to read the passage and then we're going to just talk, talk through the passage a bit. Okay, so it's Hebrews chapter 10, 11 to 25. And it says this, under the old covenants, this is what I've just been talking about, the priests and stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest, he's talking about Jesus, okay? Our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. You see, that, that's what happened when Jesus came. We just celebrated Christmas, you know, saying happy birthday to him and all of that. We celebrated his birthday. 
30 years later, he gave the ultimate sacrifice. He allowed mankind to murder him on a cross so that his blood could be shed. And because he was actually God himself, his blood was good enough for everyone. Right? Therefore, the need to sacrifice animals ended. Right? His blood was enough to open up the way for all of mankind. So, but our high priest, so go back to verse 12 again, our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honour at God's right hand, where he waits until his enemies are humbled and made a footstool under his feet. For by one offering he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit testifies to this, that this is so, for he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their, I will write on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. There's a hallelujah right there, isn't there? Come on. That's just like really, really good news. Okay. Right. Okay. So, and then he says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heavenly's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. That means we have access to God. And we can talk to God, like, because he's here with his presence, okay? We have access to him. And I've lost my place. Where am I? 19. 19, thank you. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living way through the curtain into the most holy place since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into God's presence with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with the blood of Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God being trusted to keep his promises... Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect meeting together, as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. He has done absolutely everything to deal with the issue of sin. He's done it all. But then he says, so let us, let us draw near. Okay, so so he has done everything, but there are a few things that we are, we are commanded to do. I'm just going to go through them one by one. And the first one is, is, is let us draw near. It's now our responsibility to come to him. And we do that through praying, through talking to him, through worshipping him, 
do come into church and being together. And we've done it this morning. Thanks, Joel, for leading us. That was great. It's a command, so let us draw near. He's not forcing anyone. He doesn't force humans to talk to him. He doesn't force us to be in his presence. He invites us. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And like, there's always more of him that's available to us. He wants to pour his love into our hearts. He wants to pour his grace and his forgiveness over and over and over. And all we have to do is say to him, Jesus, I come to you. God, I come to you and I receive from you. I open up ourselves and he's there and he comes and he pours in. It's quite simple, really, because he's done it all. We don't actually even have to go through a priest or a vicar or a pastor. We can go directly to him because he is our priest. He's the one that sorted it. Come on. Thank you. (laughs) That's good news, all right. But, But it's up to us. We have a choice. We have a choice. So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter. So let's do it. Boldly come. Okay? Oops. He has removed the curtain. In fact, when, when Jesus actually died on the cross, there's quite a few things that happened as he died. But one of the things that happened was the curtain in the temple, which was like really thick and strong and like separating the, whole, the holiness of God for the rest of the people, just so that they didn't drop dead because of their sins. Um, the curtain was broken. It says it was ripped from the top to the bottom. As Jesus died, God just went, yep, no longer needed. And he ripped the curtain apart, okay, so that we have access to him. Um, and that, that, the reference for that, if you want, that is Matthew 27. It just says, and when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, this is as he was dying, he gave up his spirit, and at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rock split. That must have been a little bit scary, actually. No wonder the soldiers were terrified. Now, Jesus is sitting at the right under the Father, and we have access to him. It's our responsibility to come to him and receive forgiveness and let his love and purity wash over us. And it's not the biggest of deals, but it's the massive deal, if that makes sense. Okay, you make a mistake, you mess up, don't run away, don't hide your face, come straight to him. Under his grace, under his love, under his hands, and let the Holy Spirit wash us clean. Let the blood of Christ wash you clean. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? The blood wash you clean. But that's basically what happened. Okay, his blood was enough. And then it just says that he makes perfect those who are being made holy. You see, there's no point trying to strive and stress and try and be good in your own strength. You need to come to him. And you need to let him make you holy. And let him sort out the mess that's in your life. He does it. He's the one that does the work. Our responsibility is to come to him and let him make us holy. 
And as we're in his presence, he begins to minister to our hearts. It says, doesn't it, that he places his laws within our hearts. As we spend time with him, whether, you know, just looking at the Bibles, praying, saying our prayers and and letting him love in us, he begins to change us from the inside out. And he begins to show us what's right and what's wrong. And he begins to, to, to like, put... It's like, it's almost like... it's hard to explain how it works, but he puts it on our hearts. And, and we then begin to know what's right and wrong, and we begin to understand him. But the way to walk holy is to be with him and, and to let him do the work in our hearts and be available for him and, and come before him. Even when you mess up, that's the time to come straight back to him as quickly as possible. He's done it. So now let us draw near to him. He says, let us draw near to him with sincere hearts, full of assurance and faith. That's all it takes, choosing to believe, choosing to trust him and let him do the work. He is Christ and we have freedom in him when we come to him. That's, that's another hallelujah, really, when you think about it. You know, because I, I don't know about you, but I, I can't be 100% good all the time. I try. You know, I do my best, but my best isn't good enough, and that's the whole point. I can only be good in him. I can only walk a holy life and be a good person when I let him pour his love into my life and when I walk in his footsteps. So we have responsibility individually to go to each to him, but we also have a little bit of a responsibility for each other as well. Okay, we're not islands. We're not meant to be hermits. We're not meant to do this Christian life alone. We're not meant to do life alone. That was never God's plan. So that's why he says in verse twenty-three, "Let us hold tightly." without wavering to the hope. So that's our individual, our individual you know, responsibility. And then he says, then let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together as some do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return draws near. We're here for each other. I'm here for you. You're here for me. And there will be times when I I just need your encouragement. And there will be times when you need mine. And so so the the writer to the Hebrews is is encouraging us to look out for one another. And and to support one another and and strengthen one another and and offer, offer to stand with someone and encourage them. And it's like, look for ways. Look for ways. How do we do that? Think about it. Think about your brothers and sisters. Think about the people that are, you know, especially part of, within our family, Glendale Church family. How can we support one another? What about the people that are a little bit on the fringes at the moment? The, you know, the, those that haven't really come back in. Because he's like, you know, don't, don't neglect meeting. Well, there's one or two out there that, that haven't been for a while. 
how can we encourage them? Think about how how can we support them? How can we love on them? Are there any are there any in, among us who are struggling physically or mentally? How can we help them? Because none of us have actually arrived at where we're going. Philippians 30, verse 12, Paul, the apostle, says this. Not that, and, and think about the apostle Paul. He was doing a really good job, right? So, you know, he, he planted so many churches and, and had visions of angels and, and actually probably seen God himself. Um, when he, and, and, and then he says, not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ had took hold of me. So even, even some of us who have been on this journey for a really long time, don't get complacent. Don't step back and think, oh, well, I may have arrived. Well, this is as good as it gets, because it's not. We're not there yet. There's more to come if we were to press in. And this is good news, because I'm excited about the possibilities what are the possibilities for 2024? What are the possibilities for the kingdom of God in this year? We've not arrived yet. There's more to come. There's more of him. There's more of his presence. There's more of his kingdom activity. Isn't there? Yeah, yeah. So how can we encourage one another? First of all, we start by making sure that we're entering into his presence as often as possible. I know that he's always everywhere, but there's times when we just come before him and love him and and worship him and let him love on us. And I've already said that, so I'm repeating myself. But, But let's do it as often as possible. And then let's encourage others to do the same. And let's walk with each other and encourage each other in the things of God. He says that he's coming back soon. And I've been thinking about that. Before Christmas, I was was thinking a lot about it. There's so much going on on the earth at the moment. Jesus promised that he would return. And I've lost the scripture, where is it? In in Acts, you know, he, he ascended into heaven. He went back. It says he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. When he actually went back to heaven after he'd risen again, the disciples were like, oh, whoa. They just like watched him go. And they stood there looking up at the sky, thinking, what just happened? The angel came to said, man of Galilee, he said, they said, why do you stand here looking at the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken to you, taken to heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven coming back which is really exciting he's going to sort out the world (laughs) Um, but he's waiting for us he wants us to be ready he wants us to be a a church that is alive and doing his stuff and doing his kingdom so that as many as possible get to know how wonderful he is and get to, to bow the knee before they have to he's coming back And I think I'm going to finish there. I, 
I, I'm just going to suggest that for homework, read Matthew 24, because Jesus is talking about the times that are, uh, things that are going to happen as times and things start to wrap up. And just have a think about that and just ask him to stir your heart for passion for his kingdom so that we're really focused on him and we're really ready for his return and we're doing his stuff in the meantime because we don't know when exactly it's going to be. But I don't think it's going to be that long, um, which is really exciting, a little bit daunting, but exciting. Okay, let us think about ways to stir one another up and, and strengthen one another and, and um, encourage one another in the things of the kingdom. And before I sit down, I, I, feel, I really felt like we should have a little bit of time doing that this morning. Please don't freak out. But what I'd really love you to do is just spend a little bit of time, maybe just four or five minutes, that's all, just praying for your partner, the people next to you or, or behind you or around you. If you've never done that before, that's okay. Praying is just talking to God. Um, and don't worry, there's no pressure to do it. But I just really felt it would be a really good idea if we spent a little bit of time praying for each other and just blessing and encouraging each other for 2024 and asking God to walk with us together as a community and, and as individuals. So let's do that. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to invite Joel just to come and just quietly worship while we're doing that. Um, and so, Father, I thank you. Thank you for what Jesus did on the cross. I thank you that he opened up the way for us to have perfect access to you. And Father, I thank you for this passage of scripture that we have just read. And thank you for the encouragement to, to us to encourage one another. And I pray that you will help us to do that. I pray that this will be a church. And I thank you that we're already sort of kind of doing this anyway and we're, we're heading in this direction. But I pray that this church will be renowned for, for several things, but one of them for a church that, that really encourages, a church where people really feel belonged, really feel um, part of a community, really feel loved, really feel supported. I thank you that that is happening, but I pray that you will help us in 2024 to increase that, Father, and as we grow as a community. And as new people come in, I pray that, Father, we will embrace them and encourage them and, and help them in their walk with you. So we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to help us to do that. Thank you that we stand holy and pure before you this morning because you have washed us clean through your blood. And so, Father, help us to, to walk in that holiness. So I just want you to just maybe find one or two around you, if you would.